Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Stranger Things, season four. The first part of season four is what I'm talking about. The newest chunk of Stranger Things has hit Netflix, the Netflix original series. Uh, the, the show that took us all back to the 80s. Uh, such a great uh, vibe this show has. A show that I rewatched kind of casually to catch up and remind myself the events of the the last three seasons. It has been three years since uh, season three has come out, so I needed to refresh. Uh, and you know, thinking back, looking back on the previous three seasons of Stranger Things, I really feel like it's been an up and down. The first season obviously took the the world by storm, took America by storm. Uh, I was a bit disappointed in the second season. It was a bit of a chore to get through, uh, but season three was amazing. I loved season three, and this season kind of feels like a mix of season two and maybe a little bit of season one really haven't had that that rush of excitement that season three had it does have in season four uh some newness to it which i do appreciate one of the things i thought held season two back is it was kind of just more of the same there wasn't really any kind of new monsters it was just it was mostly just Hop was stuck in the Upside Down. Uh, the whole drawings that the kid did, like the fact that they were able to piece those together into a map, was one of the biggest like logic hurdles for a show that deals with supernatural stuff that I had to get through. It's like there's no way you would be able to create that giant map inside that, that home uh, given those scribbly drawings. Like, that is just, get the fuck out of here. Um, season four does have a very similar type of scene where it is these drawings that are made. Good drawings, by the way, uh, are like actual puzzle pieces. Um, but whatever. That's It's definitely not as bad as season two. This one, similar to season three, you know, you have these different groups of characters on different adventures, all doing kind of different things. And, you know, the last couple episodes is going to tie it all together. At least that's how season three approached everything, uh, which the way it came together in season three, I really loved the way part one of season four kind of ends, definitely ends at that moment where it's like, okay, the rubbers finally hit the road. What's going to happen? Um, while watching this, I was under the impression, without doing any research, would have answered my question. But my assumption was, knowing that this was a part one, I thought it was similar to the Ozark final season. How there were going to be like equal number episodes on part one, part two. Uh, but come to find out at the end of watching the last episode of part one, uh, there's only two episodes left. So I was kind of bummed. Uh, probably wouldn't have been doing this episode if I had known that. It's going to be about a month or just a few weeks until the, the final two episodes come out. So I'll do another another season four complete 
uh, breakdown when that happens. I might just do a complete series breakdown when that happens. Uh, but I'm going to talk about season four. And if you haven't watched it, you're going to experience some spoilage. I'm going to spoil things because I'm going to be talking about things that happen in this thing. So you have been warned. But season four, not horrible. I mean, how we left everybody at the end of season three, you had you had Eleven uh, moving in with the... Uh, God, what are their names? Uh, the Byers family. Joyce Byer being the mom, played by Winona Ryder. Uh, and then you have the their two kids, uh, Jonathan and... Um, God, what is the other guy's name? Jonathan and Will. They left Hawkins to go to California. And it was the emotional goodbye was at the end of three. Uh, everybody else stayed in Hawkins. And which I think is Indiana. And so this one starts off. You have L's L in high school getting picked on. It has this long voiceover, which the fact that she is still communicating with the same type of cadence, even more so, it seems, as she did in the previous seasons, is a bit disappointing this this show picks up uh, only a year after uh, the events of season three so they've only been in california for a year um but she still talks like sh it's it's an it's annoying it, it's almost there are aspects of some of the performances in season four that seem like cartoonishly overboard like her cadence and how she speaks is a little bit extra there's one of the new characters is eddie the freak uh his whole performance is like super extra like it feels like he is channeling the actor from split like his kind of very over the top very like extroverted the character doesn't necessarily make that much sense he's a guy who is the head of the D&D &D club in high school, but also uh, plays guitar, also was held back three years, also sells weed on the side. Like, there are multiple character traits of this person that do not line up to me. Like, somebody that's been held back multiple years from school and is still going to school, I can't imagine also participating in, let alone being the leader of a school group playing Dungeons & Dragons in the school. Uh, like, generally, people that were part of school groups graduated. Like, they were plugged into the whole school thing. But for some reason, he is not... Uh, selling weed, whatever, that I guess makes sense. Uh, but even his performance doesn't really, like, it, it feels like the people that wrote this movie, the Duffer Brothers, did they write it or just direct it? I have a feeling there were other writers. Um, it doesn't say, just that created by. Uh, it, it, it feels less and less like they understand how nerds talk and interact like th like he is the most 
unnerd nerd to ever nerd. And it's a bit much. Thankfully, he's not in the season quite as much because the everybody's split up into different groups. So you're kind of jumping around to the different things that are happening uh, in these different groups as they're all on their kind of separate missions. Uh, but he is a big part of the beginning of this season. And it was kind of tough, kind of tough. Uh, and I'm sure they, they could have just changed a couple things and it would have been easier for me to process, easier for me to swallow uh, this character that they're shoving down my throat. But uh, needless to say, it wasn't a huge character of it. Uh, in L.A., there's new character Argyle, who is a stoner, who is friends with Jonathan, uh, who has become a stoner himself. And he is the most, like, the cartoon version of what a stoner would be similarly to like eddie like these these are like live action cartoon characters um which you know i know there's parts of this show that have that kind of cartoonish vibe that that feel of you know being in more of a a children's show but it just feels like it really feels like these actors knew that they were going to be part of one of the biggest TV shows culturally and that they were going to show the world their acting abilities in this show and they were going to turn it up to 11. That's what it feels like. Um, so Argyle, just like the most stereotypical stoner, which is kind of painful to watch. I enjoy the character. I enjoy kind of both of the characters. Like, I, I, I enjoy the ideas of them. I just, the way that they're portrayed in the show is just too much. Like, it's just, I'm ODing on this overacting that these characters are doing. We have a new monster, which is nice. Kind of our first villain, uh, Vecna. Uh, a lot of this, it, it's kind of pretty cool. The the end of season four, how the the or part one of season four anyway, how it ends. Uh, one does a lot to explain the whole waste of time that has been following L at this new facility, trying to regain her powers, which she still doesn't have her powers in this new season. Uh, but I appreciate that that was done to unknowingly watching it had no idea that that was going to be the origin story of it kind of serves as not only just a prequel in a lot of ways to l and her journey what happened to her at the hawkins laboratory but it also serves as a prequel and an origin story for this villain so it's it's doing a lot of things which i appreciate i just didn't like until that all made sense, it, it, it was pretty dumb. The fact that they took L's, right? There's this kind of massive war that's going to happen between good and evil. Parts of the government are for the evil parts, and parts of the government are for the good parts, and the good parts are taking L back to go learn how to be a superhero uh, because she lost her, and she's the only one that's going to be able to defeat this supervillain, right? 
And now a quick word from our sponsor. Now you can wear The Many Faces, original art by Ray Taylor. Select pieces from the ongoing series of abstract ink paintings. All products made with high quality materials, made right here in the USA. Go to inspireddisorder.com slash TMF merch to browse the entire collection and save yourself an extra 10% when you check out by using coupon code RTS. TMF. So once again, go to inspireddisorder.com slash TMF merch and save 10% when you use coupon code RTSTMF. And now back to our show. But so much of her character is just spent in this like simulator that that like is portrayed as if she doesn't know she's in a simulator. Even after she knows she's in a simulator, she, she, she like, goes in and participates as if she is still in a simulator. Like, within the simulator, she's trying to escape out of Hawkins. Like, the whole simulator is her as a younger kid before she broke out of the laboratory uh, and, and the events of season one. So, in that way, it's kind of a prequel. We're getting to see kind of what the Hawkins lab was behind the scenes. Um which part of that is that her sister from, what, season two that she met when she was in a city and had different powers, like she was able to make people see things or not see things, which was very interesting that there's different powers. But now, not only is that character not even existent in the Hawkins laboratory, but everybody has the same powers, like, all 17 of the kids, or however many are in there, they all just kind of move things with their mind. That is, that is like, at least what's shown in all of these scenes in this simulator is that they're all doing the same thing. So, that, that kind of sucked. Because, you know, the, the, the advent, the introduction of that character in Season 2 was like, oh, that, that opens up to being, like, more of a X-Men type of a thing where everybody has different powers... But in the simulation, and maybe it's explained that that's just the function of the simulation to try and teach Elle her powers again. Either way, it was kind of boring to watch and watch over and over again. And it's all the big mystery that's trying to, that I, the show is trying to hook you in to being invested in that whole process is that the season starts off with Elle as a young kid back in Hawkins and dead bodies are everywhere. And it's assumed that she did the dead bodies. And pretty early, especially once you see what the villain does, how the villain kills people, which is kind of cool, like he makes them levitate and then all of their limbs start to snap and twist the wrong ways and their face gets all deformed and their eyes pop out. Like, when you started, when you, I saw the the effects of what that villain did. It was pretty clear to me that that villain was probably the one who did it, or maybe possessed L to do it, but was involved in that in some way. And then by the end, it was like clear that, yeah, it was him, but didn't know that it was going to be his origin story. Like that character that ends up being Vecna, for whatever reason. I think it was just because I was so bored in those scenes back in the Hawkins lab, the simulation, that I wasn't putting any kind of thought behind who that character was. I, on some level, I thought it was going to be 
like the younger version of the dad character in the Hawkins lab, uh, the Papa. Uh, but that wasn't the case. Um, so by the end, the end of this part one made me appreciate those scenes more, kind of, because it acted as a little bit of a prequel for L. It acted as a bit of an origin story in some way, at least part of the origin story for this character, this villain Vecna. So I appreciated that. Uh, the whole L.A. stuff, like L gets taken by the government and then the people left in L.A. who is uh, Mike, Jonathan, Will, Argyle they all take off to go get L, right? Because shit goes down in L.A., and they have to go find L, and they go to the one hacker they know, uh, to Susie, to Jonathan, or to Dustin's girlfriend from computer camp. Uh, they go her, so we get to see her family, which is kind of cool, uh, and then she helps them out. My whole issue with that whole situation with that crew of characters on their massive road trip is like, how the fuck do they afford all of the gas money to drive all over the place? And there's another thing involving money that makes zero sense is how Joyce, right? For some reason, Hop is alive, which that that whole thing with Hop in Russia, him surviving the explosion in part three, like there is zero reason for Hop to be alive. There is zero reason other than he is one of the most popular characters of the show. And, like, clearly they, they made him a big focus in season two. Similarly in this one, it's like it, instead of Hop being in the Upside Down, he is in Russia in a Russian prison camp. And for some reason, Joyce has zero problems leaving her family to go save Hop, which they like never got together because she moved away right like and then murray the the crazy murray guy conspiracy theory murray goes to help her like all that stuff like the whole storyline with the russia stuff it, it like literally ties in with nothing ties in with zero doesn't need to be in the story at all russians don't need to be involved in the story at all but the crazy part is that without any effort, Joyce is able to, this single mother raising three children now in California can effortlessly access $40,000. Because that's a ransom to get Hop out of this uh, Russian prison. Without any problem whatsoever, can access 40 grand in the 80s as a single mother selling encyclopedias she's got 40k in the bank that was ridiculous and then just that whole thing i mean it's a fun it's not like boring like the the Hawkins lab simulator stuff that L is going through which is like why does this keep like I'm literally watching the same scenes over and over again. I'm like getting nothing out of this. It doesn't even make sense because they set up that 
this other character had different powers, but now that character doesn't even exist. So at least the stuff with Hop and Russia and Joyce and Murray going to save him, like, is a fun adventure. I enjoy those characters, but the their story adds nothing to this season at all. Like, the Russians just happen to have one of these creatures locked up that they feed to soldiers. Becomes almost like a squid game, in a way, towards... Like, it just just feels like... It feels like a spin-off show that is just edited into the rest of what's going on. Has zero to do. And she has zero problem leaving her kids and had zero problem getting that $40,000. But that's one of the stories going on. The Cali people, they're on trying to find L. And then Hawking is... People are dying, right? They're getting levitated and crushed up. And that's where, like, the meat of the mystery is in this season and it's fun to see these these guys dustin and lucas nancy steve max uh eddie the addition of eddie which you know a little bit a little bit too cartoony but whatever you have lucas's little sister uh and then robin uh steve's uh co-worker at the video store person from the scoops ahoy I enjoy all those characters. The the aspect of Lucas, like he's in a basketball team, right? It's the season starts off, you know, they're in high school now. Lucas is part of the basketball team but never gets to play. And there's a, a scheduling conflict with one of their games and uh, a D&D match. A D&D, they're the club that Eddie runs, the guy that is really bad at school and has no desire to be in school, but still runs a D&D club through the school as, like, a school club. There's a conflict there. And even though Lucas is always riding the bench, he's got to be at this thing and ends up being replaced by his younger sister. First off, the most jacked basketball players, high school basketball players ever. Also, not tall. Like, I don't know if the people who wrote this show have ever watched a basketball game ever. But those people do not look like basketball players. Nobody in the 80s was jacked like that. Especially basketball. Not until, like... LeBron James did people start working out to play basketball. And by the way, LeBron James is a giant human. These are all like average sized dudes that are like just jacked. So that was like, okay, like this is bad casting, but whatever. (laughs) This does not look like a high school basketball game in the 80s. The fact that Lucas goes... It's told to be that he always rides the bench, but is in the game during this big game for whatever reason. And they end up winning because he gets a rebound or whatever. And I think he scores the the winning point, whatever. He's like so on the side of these 
jacked asshole basketball players. Like, one of their girlfriends dies, and they think it's Eddie, and they're after Eddie, and, you know, it's just... Like, I didn't really buy... I kind of bought Lucas, I guess. I just didn't like it. Because the Lucas character was kind of an asshole in the beginning. When they first came across L, he was super... He was a big asshole towards L and had to apologize to L. Uh, I think similarly to Max. And now he is like on the side of the assholes once more. It is just disappointing. For a character that I, I, I like. I like Lucas. I think he's a, a fun character. But the fact that he's constantly an asshole to people, or at least on the sides of major assholes, is a bummer. But their whole thing investigating what's going on, the clearly tons of money spent to illustrate the upside down in a way that's never been done before to like a whole nother level, tons of CGI kind of surroundings and environments, uh, as well as the character, which I thought they pulled off. And most of the scenes that are shot in dark, in darkness, uh, are well lit and easy to see. There are a few of the dark scenes that are pretty unlit. Like they, when they, they're all on the boat on the lake because they realize that there's a, a, a water gate. There's a, one of the portals to the upside down is in the lake. Uh, they, like that scene when they're in the boat. Very dark. Very dark. But then there's other scenes where it's clearly nighttime, but you can actually see stuff. So it's kind of the consistency of what you can see during the nighttime scenes is very hit or miss, which is a problem I have. Join Inspired Disorder Plus today. Head on over to inspireddisorder.com slash plus to join. Membership includes members-only discounts and deals get access to the ray taylor show completely ad free as well as bonus episodes you get access to the complete live painting archive you also get access to every single podcast ever produced by inspired disorder hosted by ray taylor you get access to ray taylor's personal blog as well as the opportunity to ask me any questions so if you want to start a podcast you're into art ask me anything And so many more things are being added every day to Inspire Disorder Plus. So sign up today, become a member, head on over to inspiredisorder.com slash plus and become an Inspire Disorder Plus member today. Uh, the, The whole use of the music as a way to pull yourself out of Vecna's kind of magical curse type of mind control i thought was cool i thought that was fun uh they they made a major major mistake uh when they were trying to look for max's cassette tape for her favorite song which is kind of an unimpressive song to begin i like i i don't rec i was expecting a song that would be happy and poppy maybe or just something that i recognize from the 80s like a popular 80s song uh, which maybe it was, but it's a song that I do not recognize. But that is not the big problem. That's a, a, a minor quibble. But the problem I had was if that was her favorite song, uh, 
chances are they would have had to rewind it to the beginning of that song. It wouldn't have been pre-rewound to the beginning of that song. If it was her favorite song and she stopped listening to it, it was probably because the song was over and she hit stop. So they would have had to put it in and rewind it. I'm sorry. I grew up around media that had to be rewound. There are characters that work in a video store, and video stores' mottos around this time were be kind, rewind. They literally use the term be kind, rewind. Erica uses the term be kind, rewind. Mostly because she wasn't able to keep up with what was Dustin was going on about. But rewinding was a thing. So that was like, because when they were searching for the thing, I was like, okay, when they find it, they're going to have to rewind it. Or they're going to have to search for the song in some way. But it was just put right in, hit play, and it was ready to go. Whatever. Whatever. Small, small things. The jacked basketball player, small things. Just like little things to take me out. My biggest problems were kind of the new characters and how cartoonish they were. That was kind of tough. And then how boring the stuff in the, the Hawkins Lab simulator was for L. Super boring. Super boring. Like, that, like all of that stuff could have been done in, uh, like, as part of one episode. Instead of drawing it out throughout the, almost the entire the entire season four at least the first part of season four the seven episodes so other than that where the the season ends how all the stuff that actually happened in hawkins was the best stuff i thought all the stuff with dustin i mean dustin's um like probably i would say dustin is the star of this show even though he's probably like fourth build I think Nancy and Robin have a fun dynamic when they're trying to go investigate this guy that survived Vecna uh, in the 50s. Uh, Steve is like, there's a lot of redeeming qualities. The fact that Nancy didn't go see Jonathan and apparently he was supposed to go see her, that whole thing is kind of a bummer. Like, this show and their relationship is like the show... It's like the show doesn't want them to be be together. Like, the show clearly wants Nancy and Steve to be together. Uh, and it, th a lot of this season is about Nancy and Steve and kind of how they've slowly kind of rekindled their thing. I mean, Steve des definitely loves Nancy, but Nancy is like... I don't know. But I enjoy Nancy and Robin's kind of... Uh, partnership in a lot of that uh the max character you know as being one of the targets for vecna i think added a lot to it uh what happened to her family the the dad left and now she's living in the trailer with her mom um you know i thought all of that stuff was interesting uh let's see and the eddie character i like the eddie character i just wish he would tone it down which is Obviously, way too late. Obviously, way too late. But he is, like, manic bouncing off the walls everywhere for somebody that, it, like, it, it is, it, like, 
it just doesn't fit. Like all of the characteristics of that character and the performance, none of it fits together. But how the the part one ends, you have L finally knowing that she didn't cause all of those deaths, which duh. Uh, you're getting to see that uh, the prequel and the origin story for Vecna as uh, he is the number one person, which the fact that that wasn't like explicit, like even within the simulation, like they knew there was a one that was still around and was a thing, but like he was right there and never said anything like, I don't know that it was just like, bad like i really didn't like i like what it was doing i like that it was kind of giving this backstory this origin story for vecna but how they did it was like just one of the most boring aspects of the season so you get to see that you get to see l finally get her powers back at least in oh i guess she got it outside of the simulation a bit too Uh, but she got her powers back uh the cali crew got the location of the number uh so they are on their way from utah to uh i think nevada with just free gas or whatever just a van that just has no need for gasoline at all uh you have hop and everybody still technically in the russian prison i don't think they actually got out uh but but like They've taken control, at least. So I assume the next episode is going to be Hop and uh, Na- and uh, oh, what's her name, J- Joyce and Murray, flying back somehow. I don't know who's flying them, but they're flying back to, uh, I guess Hawkins is where they would be going. Even though I don't think they know that. Like, I mean, that would make sense, even though, like, that's not where she came from. I don't know. So I assume the next episode is going to be episode eight is going to be uh, Joyce and Hop and Murray hopping on a plane (laughs) Uh, back to Hawkins. You're going to have uh, the Cali guys. You're going to have Mike and Jonathan, Will and Argyle showing up to uh nevada to pick up l and then drive her all the way to indiana i guess uh and then you have the hawkins crew where we last left off nancy was like going through the portal and then got transported to vecna's location in the upside down and then was shown his complete backstory in this house that was part of the drawing puzzle that they put together, uh, showing that he was a kid that had these powers and killed his family and, like, abused animals and all this kind of stuff, showed a lot of the meat of his backstory that was also intercut with L seeing Vecna as the older person as number one, uh, regaining her powers. But as far as I know, Nancy is still in the Upside Down. So is... Uh, Steve, he was the last to go, and I, they never—I don't think they ever showed him going back through the portal. Uh, but everybody else is is on the regular side of time, which we also found out the the upside down is back in time 
for some reason, but they're able to communicate with a specific time in the future. The, the, the fact that the upside down is in the past made things less believable, that they were able to communicate with the lights and stuff in not only in a different dimension, but a different future dimension. So whatever. Uh, but that's where the Hawkins crew is at. And uh, the, the basketball players who are like the satanic panic crew who are going around like that. The fact that it's it's like teenagers that are afraid of the satanic panic thing and not parents is kind of. I don't think that's very realistic, but whatever. But they're still after them, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how much of a threat the basketball players are. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where everybody's at. So. I'm sure the last two episodes will involve a massive battle uh, back in Hawkins, I would imagine. We also found out that this guy, Vecna, every time he uh, killed somebody and had a psychic connection with somebody, uh, it opened up a new portal. So there's multiple portals to the Upside Down. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, considering how much the creators talked about the budget of all these episodes... I would not be surprised if there are major battles that actually take place in the Upside Down. Especially since uh, Steve and Nancy are still there. Who knows? Uh, but it's in the past. Maybe that will be an aspect of it. The fact that it is in the past. Basically, the Upside Down is at the time. Uh, maybe it's you know when the gate was first reopened. But that wouldn't make sense of why I don't know. There's there's aspects of this this whole thing that are like I, I probably am thinking too much of it. But overall, I enjoyed it, despite the fact there were aspects I didn't like. I think it ended in a good place. I'm bummed that there's only two episodes left because it really feels like it just started getting going, but. Uh, that being said, Stranger Things, Season 4, Part 1, I enjoyed and I'm looking forward to, I would say, if I had to rank this, I would say it's better than Season 1, definitely better than Season 2, uh, but in my opinion, Season 3 is the most fun uh, of any of the seasons, in my opinion, but we'll see how this one ends. Uh, but that's it, Stranger Things, Season 4, Part 1, on Netflix, watch now. And then uh, we'll see what happens the last two episodes. New episodes of The Ray Taylor Show come out every single day. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere our podcasts are found. Binge the full week over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. Buy Ray Taylor Show merch over at InspiredDisorder.com. And follow the show on Instagram at Ray Taylor Show. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace. Ouch! Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality.